sort of a, okay, I'm a human. I mean, I eat every day, but they just don't, they're, I think they're just so conflicted with messaging and right. you know, yeah. body goals and fitness goals and, and whatever it is. And then they hear their friend did this or somebody recommends that. And all of a sudden they're in this food world that's constantly changing and evolving. Mm-hmm. So there's new products offered, there's new, you know, like trends and different things. And they're just like, I don't, I don't even know what to do anymore, like how to eat. Hello, and welcome to Middleish, the podcast about moderation in all things. I am Michael Gray. And I am Erin Green. What's How are on? you, Michael Gray? Uh, you know what? I'm tired. <laughs> I'm, I'm not as prepared for this as I usually am because we had to, um, Aaron was gracious to uh, be flexible this week. And we usually record Wednesday afternoons. And this is first thing Thursday morning. And so I'm still a little mm-hmm. oh, I'm sleepy. I think we both are. If people are watching this on YouTube, they might just automatically be like, look different this week. Right. <laughs> No more bedhead. A little, their little eyes all baggy, swollen. Yeah, and I actually, yeah, I actually have an outdoor coffee date with a colleague after this, and so I didn't want to have. I already had coffee when I woke up, and I didn't want to have another cup during recording, and then another cup when I went and met them. So I am sans coffee right now during this recording. So y'all forgive me if my brain just. God still, bless you. Still can't. You <laughs> still brave can't soldier. <laughs> I whew, I don't want to be doing that. Yeah, I can mm. tell. It's so warm. Oh, shut up. <laughs> How are you? Rub it in. Oh, you know, I'm like kind of hanging in there with, um, like hanging by a thread right now. It's yeah. it's one of those weeks where I I have a a full schedule, which is good. I like that, but it's to the point where if something else gets shoehorned in there, I'm just going to like burst and a few things have gotten shoehorned in and I'm just Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) but tomorrow is my, the beginning of my weekend because I'm going to go taking the day off and going skiing. So yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm good. No. Um, so Boulder mountain tour is a Nordic ski race that is held every year over in sun Valley. And this year to, um, discourage travel because of the pandemic and to discourage large groups gathering, they made it sort of a virtual DIY version. Mm -hmm. And so you can, um, ski wherever you live and just get the 30 K distance in, or you can, um, you can travel to Sun Valley. If you live like here in Boise, you could drive over, you know, it's not flying and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and just do it any day this week. And so they're trying to like spread out. So you just don't get the mass start and there's not like an official, you know, start time or any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's very informal. And I found one of my friends who has been kind of my household, um, like ski commute, partner Mm -hmm. um is i talked my buddy troy into going over with me tomorrow so we'll mask up and make the drive and go ski and then nice come home it'll be good that'll be fun yeah cool 
Yeah. And it's all, I mean, it's so beautiful over there on a sunny Mm -hmm. day in the Wood River Valley. It's just, there's nothing better. So, so yeah, get through today and I'm in good shape. Mm -hmm. Right. on your end. I was going to say, even though (laughs) we're, we're maybe a little tired, maybe rough weeks, we promise we've got some good stuff for you today. Yeah. <laughs> Is it yeah. going to be like and, a, uh, you know, a waste of your time or anything? Uh, but no, we're good. At least we hope not. Yeah, we're all we're all good here. Uh, nothing really new to report. It's been beautiful weather. Everybody's healthy. School's going well for Lila. Work's been good. Yeah, just things are good. Right. Yeah. Good. So. So yeah, you've got kind of a relatively smooth, uneventful week. It sounds like that's nice. Yeah, so far. I mean, it can take a turn any second, right? But <laughs> so far, mm, we're good. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you want to just jump in today? Let's talk about. Put on your goggles. We're eat. jumping in. <laughs> how am I supposed to eat, Michael? Well, I don't know, Aaron. How do you eat? How do you oh. eat? I've got a step-by-step process for everyone today. Okay. You want me to get started with that? Yeah. I'd like to hear it. Okay. Do I need to take notes? Is this like 17 steps? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Prepare yourself Okay. and, you know, clear your mind. Should I stretch first? Sip of coffee. (laughs) So step one, make food. Okay. Got it. Step two, put the food in your mouth, chew it and swallow it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is way too easy. (laughs) We're done with the podcast today. Thank you. You guys have been great. We'll be here all week. (laughs) I kid, I kid. You know, I get this question a lot and I I am not as snarky with my clients, trust me. But I I just, it it sort of boggles my mind that we live in. (laughs) That's a dumb question. Can you imagine if I said that? I don't know. How do you eat? (laughs) (laughs) I would never say that, you guys. but this is middle-ish, so we can crack right, jokes. Right, so we get to. Yeah, so I get this question um, more often, I think, than people might realize. And mm-hmm. and when clients ask me, they, they ask in a sheepish way. Like, like, they know that they should know how to eat. It's sort of a, okay, I'm a human. I mean, I eat every day. But they just don't, They're I think they're just so conflicted with messaging and, right. you know, yeah. body goals and fitness goals and, and whatever it is. And then they hear their friend did this or somebody recommends that. And all of a sudden they're in this food world that's constantly changing and evolving. Mm-hmm. So there's new products offered, there's new, you know, like trends and different things. And they're just like, I don't, I don't even know what to do anymore, like how to eat. Right. So I actually really like when I get this question, because to me, it's not a dumb question at all. It nope. shows me that the client is open and ready to basically start from kind of a clean slate. And I mean, I say that, and there's a lot of experiences that this client has had with food and they have preferences and they have, you know, a a lot to work from, but they're kind of starting from a clean slate in terms of recommendations and patterns and that kind of thing. Right. Well, I think we're just so, I mean, if you spend any time like in the fitness or nutrition circles on any kind of social media, this, I have zero basis. This is totally like pulling this out of my butt, but I, I would bet that people see 10 to 12 different ways to eat in the course of a week 
at least. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? Just yeah. do this and don't do that. And then someone else says, no, do do that, but don't do this. And no, don't do any of those, <laughs> only do this. And so it's just, even if you have like, feel like you have like a good kind of foundation of like, I know like some basics to nutrition when you're just inundated with that stuff over and over and over. And you see that, oh, supposedly people following this way of eating diet, whatever, got these results, it starts to seep in and it starts to go, maybe I should be doing that. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's not as simple or straightforward as I think it is, or maybe either, maybe I shouldn't be eating fruits. Maybe that's my problem. Like that's the, that's the silver bullet that's Mm going to get me where I want to be. Exactly. And so we're just inundated with this stuff. So like, I, and same, just, just like you, I'm very <laughs> snarky as we started off there, <laughs> very compassionate about it. Cause I get it. It's incredibly frustrating that it's a thing, I think within the industry, you know, for me, like I, I just, it's maddening that people would just, you know, preach nonsense and demand that people follow that nonsense. That's frustrating. But when it comes to an individual client, I get it. Like yep. it's, I mean, there's even times where I find myself going like, oh, man, that's pretty convincing, you know, because <laughs> you're just, yep. you hear it over and over and over. Definitely. And, and I, I even have, you know, I have the saying remain skeptical, but curious when it comes to, you know, science and the evidence, because I mean, research and headlines can spin something, however they really want, you know, mm-hmm. to push an agenda or to, mm-hmm. to prove a point or to support their view. So I'll, I'll be skeptical in that sense. Like, okay, I really need to see the science, like show me the article and the peer reviewed research that supports this. But then I'm also curious, like I'll come across something that I'm like, "Mm, Mm -hmm. it doesn't quite jive with, with what I have, you know, established in my own philosophy or or my own practice or or body of evidence. But I'm kind of curious about this concept and I want to learn more about mm-hmm. it. Or maybe I'll be like, I'll experiment. I've done tons of self-experimentation with, you know, throughout my triathlon career in different mm-hmm. ways. Um, you know, both kinds that helped me perform better and then kinds of experiments that failed miserably. Right. <laughs> Just, well, we learned <laughs> something there, you know. <laughs> so I think I think it's good for people to continue kind of you know, looking for answers, but also, you know, take, take the source into context. Mm -hmm. And then also you're, you're the expert on your own body. So I think it's really important for people to embrace that, you know, they come to me or even you and they're like, I tell me how to eat, you know, Mm -hmm. just tell me the right way. And there, there is no one right right way. And that's some of what we're going to talk about today. Right. There's a, there's a, a uh, right way for you, or maybe not even a right mm-hmm. way for you, maybe a, a way that works for you. Cause there's probably mm-hmm. several right ways for you, you know? And, and that's why it just, I mean, we talk about this a lot, but we talk about just that individuality because only you have your preferences, only you have, um, you know, your, your schedule. And uh, I mean, there's, you're so unique that to, to say, okay, here's the umbrella. Now you have to fit under it that's the way we generally approach diets or nutrition plans or whatever. Like you got to figure out how to fit under the thing. And it's, Mm -hmm. that's completely backwards. It's like, we got to, we got to figure out what's the umbrella we're going to build for ourselves. 
right? With all these things into consideration where what's your relationship with food? You know, what has your history been? What's worked well in the past? What hasn't? Um, what's going to work well now? Because what works well now may not work well in a year. There's a really good chance mm-hmm. that we need to adapt and flex, you know? Um, and so when people say that, what's the right way? It's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. It's an impossible question to answer. Right. Cause there's not a right way that's overarching for everyone. So we take that out of the equation and I don't know a right way for a client until we dig into some stuff. Right. And even and then, when we have a plan, eh, that may not be correct because we, <laughs> okay, we thought this might work. Nope, it didn't. Or, oh, this went better than we thought. Or you found a new thing that we need to add on. You know, it's just, it's sort of like this living thing, right? That's going to constantly adapt and flex mm-hmm. and bend as opposed to like, here it is. That's what you do. Just follow those and you'll be fine. It just doesn't work. And don't, that. yeah, don't you think that the phrase, whatever is sustainable for you in the long term would mm-hmm. probably answer that question. What's the right way for me? Yep. You know, what's sustainable for you based on, I mean, most people who come see us are interested in their health. They're interested in chronic disease prevention mm-hmm. and, you know, weight management and, um, athletic, uh, fueling and those kinds of things. Yeah. So based on your goals, and we'll talk a little bit more about eating for your goals, um, in this podcast, but we might save mm-hmm. that in-depth discussion, um, for another episode. Yeah. Um, but, but really what's sustainable for you. And as Michael just said, this could shift over time. So what is sustainable for you in your you know, twenties, as you're just getting started in your career or whatever, before you have kids mm-hmm. might not be sustainable when you're in your thirties and forties and you're really busy with, right. you know, household stuff and, and running, you know, kids to soccer practice or whatever. Yep. So, um, or as your budget changes, what's sustainable mm-hmm. might be different than, you know, at different phases of your life mm-hmm. and what your body can tolerate at different phases in your life or what it needs as we age. There's so many factors that go into this, that it's really, once you start really teasing out those different, um, situations, it's, it's like impossible to put a blanket recommendation yeah. on yep. this is the right way. And not only impossible, but I think foolish and damaging. Yeah. You know, I think it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's really problematic. It's more just like, eh, it's not right. No, it's really problematic because it imposes beliefs that this is the way it needs to be done on people who aren't going to be able to do it that way. Yeah. Like the food evangelism. If you, (laughs) if you missed that episode, um, it was, I don't know what five, six episodes ago. Anyway, we talked about that very concept Mm -hmm. food evangelism. Yeah. And then it creates this, this idea that, okay, well, I'm just broken, right? Like Mm -hmm. I am not a person who can do it the right way. And so it's not the way's fault, right? It's obviously my fault. And then I mean, this is the people we deal with a lot, right? Like they come to us and there's just these relationships with food that are just terrible. And, and it's like an abusive relationship in a lot of ways, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. this, we, people are, are, are beat down and they feel hopeless and they feel broken and because of their relationship with food, right? Because they've been told so much, like you got to do it this way. And that way it doesn't work for everyone because it wouldn't. But of course we take that on ourselves and feel like we're the problem, you know, but yeah, I think you're right. It's got to be sustainable. It's got to be something you like, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's got to be something that moves you towards your goals. I think if you have those three things, you found the right way to eat, Mm -hmm. you know? So 
a couple examples of how, and you might have some examples of how this question has sort of come up with clients and the different scenarios you see. But one of them that I see, we just talked about gut health in the last episode, and there's a, an emerging trend, I would say over the last probably five years of people really getting on that intolerance and, and at food allergy kind of bandwagon. Like, I just don't tolerate this ingredient, this food, this nutrient. There is evidence for that. And like I just said, you guys are your, your own experts on what works for your body, right? So, you know, I'm not one to deny if my client comes to me, you know, saying I have symptoms with X food or whatever, you know, we'll, we'll work with that. But I think, again, the messaging has just gotten so broad that gluten is bad for everyone or um, lactose is bad for everyone, or it's inflammatory or, you know, just picking out these specific foods and nutrients that nobody nightshades avoid nightshades right. and eggs are worse than cigarettes right and one? so we yeah yeah and and so people get these messages and they start eliminating foods and they start kind of monkeying around with their diet just saying i'm not going to eat this or i'm going to go you know gluten-free for a while, or I'm, yeah, I'm going to stop eating eggs or red meat or whatever it is. And they just start eliminating things. Now, just a word on elimination diets, they can be very, very effective for just kind of teasing out what kinds of foods are causing some undesirable symptoms or, or debilitating symptoms in some cases for people. Mm -hmm. Elimination diets, when done right, should be done under the guidance of a you know, experienced practitioner who knows how to do this, a dietitian for sure. Um, but people are just doing this willy nilly. And then what happens is they'll just start adding things back in. They'll either grow tired of the elimination or they'll go to a party and they'll just start eating things. And their, their dietary pattern, if it's been really strict on one end, they swing it back over into including all these foods. And there could be some different, mm -hmm. you know, feelings in digestion and symptoms and different, you know, irregularities. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I need to eliminate something else. And so they go back to the, the whole, like, what's the trend right. now? Oh, well it's red meat. Okay. I'm going to get rid of that, you know? And so they'll start going through these cycles mm -hmm. and it really does impact the gut microbiome and your, how your body digests and sees food in, in a lot of cases. And so I think people, and then they stress about it. <laughs> okay. So this right. is a whole nother layer. Because all of a sudden you're like stressed out that your gut is behave, misbehaving. And then you're always worried when you eat anything. And it can really just cause this like baseline undercurrent of anxiety around food. Mm -hmm. And that has implications on digestion and symptoms and, you know, all of those things. And so I, I think people often lose sight of that interconnectedness with diet. And, you know, when you, when you kind of think something is going to behave a certain way in your body and then you're scared of it or you're, mm -hmm. you know, just eliminating things without any guidance. So that's right. another one that I see where people come to me and they're like, I just don't even know anymore because this causes problems, this causes problems, this causes problems. And so right. we'll start working together to figure that out. Well, I think it reminds me of like, of like being a parent, like yeah. if like kids crave consistency, right? Like your body does too. 
right? Like if your body knows what to expect, it falls into a rhythm. There's natural signals, rhythms that it's trying to communicate with you about like, hey, we're hungry now. Hey, I'm full now. I don't need any more. Like there's this really good relationship that you can really grow and develop when things are consistent. But when it's like one morning, you're like, oh, honey, I love you so much. And the next morning you're like, you know, like kids have this just it's just one extreme to the other and they never know when what's going to set you off. And, you know, it's just unpredictable. Kids don't thrive. Kids have serious problems and there are outbursts, right? Same with the body. Like when it's just all over the place and then there's none mm-hmm. of this and then there's a whole bunch of that and then there's none of this now. And then, Oh, there's a whole bunch of that. Right. It's and just there's like, no schedule or predictability. To, right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Hey, I'm telling you what I need. Like a kid, I'm telling you what I need, but no, I'm ignoring you. So my needs aren't being met. What I mean, it's just, it's kind of chaos. And so I think one of the, this is a little bit off topic, but I think, I think a, a major issue in the nutrition fitness world is that people often don't try something long enough to see it, what it actually is going to do. Right. It's like, Oh, I did it for four weeks. And then I heard about this other thing. So I'm doing that now. And I did that for two weeks. And then I, you know, it's just like, there's just like, a, maybe do something for a year like literally, and just get good at it and see how, you know, I'm like, it's just all over the place. We just, we don't give anything a long enough shot to see what kind of impact it's going to have. You know, I think that actually ties really nicely into this topic because that's another example of what I see is when people come to me and say that I tried X, like I eliminated this and they'll say like, well, I, I felt better or, well, it was only for a couple of weeks or, well, um, you know, they didn't do it long-term and that's an issue. You know, if, if you are, especially, you know, just going back to the elimination diet example, if you are trying something to see how your digestion reacts or how your body feels by making this change, keep the change simple, do one change at a time. I mean, in some cases, it could be warranted to make, you know, a few changes at a time. But if you do anything really drastic, I would probably work with, you know, a a professional doing that. Um, but then give it some freaking time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I, I tell people, I'll never forget one of my dietitian friends who has, I mean, she is magnificent dietitian, but she has always, I think kind of struggled with self-care and her weight. And she has told me, Aaron, tell your clients, they have to commit to whatever change they're making for three months. Mm -hmm. Just tell them three months, this is what we're doing for three months. So wrap your head around that because number one, then they're not expecting things to just change overnight. Like you didn't get here where you are. Right. in a week's time. Right. So please don't expect it to just undo itself in a week's time. You know, right. it, it takes some, some consistency and repetition and, and awareness. Mm-hmm. And then it also um, helps them gradually kind of build on that process. So if they know that, okay, I've got three months to work on this, the commitment right. is there. They sort of prepare themselves. This is going to be a process. There's going to be some ups and downs during that time. And then it gives, it also gives the dietitian or practitioner who's working with them enough time to observe trends because I mean, weight fluctuates day to day, digestion fluctuates day to day. Um, sometimes you have gas, sometimes you don't, mm-hmm. sometimes you weigh two pounds heavier. Sometimes you don't, you know, there's, sometimes gas. you feel, yeah, <laughs> thanks, Michael. Thank you. 
Casey, I was curious. I'm, I'm glad that your mic is high quality and we can only hear your voice. <laughs> I guess you could make art noises if you want it to be really entertaining. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I think people won't give it enough time, like you said, and they won't commit to it long term. Um, and, and they kind of expect these, these quick fixes and don't realize that, you know, nutrition and eating is very nuanced. It's not intended to look exactly the same every day, but it mm -hmm. is intended to have some kind of a routine or pattern right. to, to it. Yeah. Well, and, I think too, um, oh, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, I, you're done. I was just going to move on, but go on. I was going to say, you know, and again, we've talked about this before, but, uh, correlation doesn't equal causation, right? So it's yeah. easy to look at, okay, so I made these five changes and this is my result. So, well, we don't know what's working, right? Mm -hmm. You don't know what's working in that situation. And mm -hmm. you don't know if you're putting time and energy into, let's say you've changed five things, maybe three of those things aren't benefiting you at all, but you're continuing to put time and attention and energy into them because, well, I changed all these things and this is my result. So I don't want to stop mm -hmm. doing anything, right? Uh, so that's problematic, or you may have things that are actively kind of working against you. You just don't yeah. know it, right? Your yeah. results and progress may be better if you weren't doing X and Y, but we don't know. And so it's really important to keep these changes to a really small amount because it's, we need to look at this from like, there's, yes, there's like a behavioral emotional piece. That's a huge part of this, you know, routines and habits and that kind of stuff. But there's also just like, you got to be a little bit like a scientist in this, you know, like mm -hmm. let's do something and let's see what that does. Right. Yeah. And let's kind of study that and let's get some data and let's observe it. And then we can make an informed decision from that point. But if we just throw a whole bunch of stuff in there, it's like, I, we don't know what's doing what and what different results you maybe could have maybe better. Maybe, I mean, you just, you just don't know. Yeah. And that's a really good point. Um, and, and as a nice segue into what I was going to talk about next, which is like All the bad the diet trend. Let's do it. <laughs> The fad diets are a perfect example of this. You know, you belong to a club when you join a fad diet. Mm -hmm. You join, you're go keto, you're going to do the whole 30, you're, you know, you're on the Atkins, whatever it is. And you join this, you know, this label of your diet. And of course it's these fad diets tend to be just laden with testimonials about how great they are for for mm -hmm. X, you know, this person saying, why don't they work for you? Or, you know, you try it and you start kind of feeling badly about yourself because it's not working. There's something about it that's not easy for you. It's not working for you. It's hard to, I don't know, plan the meals in a certain way because you mm -hmm. have a family. It's hard to shop for the ingredients and get all this like, you know, fresh stuff. Maybe you don't have access to that. So there's, I think one of the big challenges with people when they like come to me with this, I don't know how to eat is they have ascribed to this very right and exact way to eat. And if they quit, they're out of the club. And right. so they're kind of lost. Like, I don't know what to do. If I, if I stop following these rules mm -hmm. and there's lots of rules with fad diets, right? They like to tell you exactly what to eat and what not to yep. eat. And so people kind of fall into this and they're like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is what's going to work for me. And then when it doesn't, 
first of all, there's probably some shame or some, or some, you know, feelings of not mm-hmm. belonging because what's wrong with me that this right. doesn't work or I can't do this. And then where do I go from here? Like, mm-hmm. how do I write the ship? Mm-hmm. And that's where we come in. So we come in, you know, I just mm-hmm. had this thought, I hadn't had this thought before, but I think, so when you see like sort of these like sensational diets, you know, these extreme elimination diets, cutting out whole food groups and that kind of stuff, like you do often see like these amazing before and afters, right? Like three months mm-hmm. later, like, whoa, that's amazing. And, and what, what we don't think about is like, why aren't there like one year later photos, right? Like why aren't there year long <laughs> photos? And right. I think we often assume it's because, well, this works so fast and other ways are just so slow, whatever. Maybe it's because these people can't sustain it that long. Maybe, maybe the reason that the before is three months earlier than the after is because at four months, people are like, this sucks. I don't want to do yeah, this anymore. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm miserable. Right. Like, I think there's probably a lot of that because these, I mean, yeah, you can make a lot of progress in a very short amount of time. If you do a lot of unhealthy things, absolutely. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People can lose 20, 30 pounds in a month. Sure. I mean, it's a terrible idea, you know, but you can do that and you can have a sensational before and after. But if there's no, if there's never any like long-term talk in any of these things, I think immediately you've got a problem. And that's what we see with fad diets. It's like, no crash course, two months, three months, you know, by summer. Um, And there's no like, Hey, what about after? What about next year? What about the rest of your life? There's no thought put into that. Yeah. And, and, I won't get too in depth into this, but you touched on that, the whole crash dieting craze, you know, people want to just lose weight really rapidly, have a nice before and after picture. You know, it's very unlikely that that weight is going to remain where it is in that after picture. Mm -hmm. That's just how our bodies are wired. It becomes harder to keep the weight off. And people are not prepared to hear that or, or to understand that it's a really hard reality for someone trying to lose weight because it can feel discouraging. You hear that, Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, X number, you know, some percentage of people keep the weight off and, you know, 30% regain in a year, that kind of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's discouraging, but at the same time, it's a dose of reality that helps you go in with your eyes open and, Yo-yo dieting can be far worse long-term for your health and your metabolism than steady, consistent weight loss down to a sustainable weight. So if people are engaging in these kind of yo-yo diets, and I, I run into this a lot for people that say, I don't know how to eat. They'll, they've gone through tons of diets Mm -hmm. and weight loss over the years, and they tend to gain it back or they, something's unsustainable or life, you know, they start having a family and they just don't have time to maintain that anymore. Mm -hmm. And so they're really looking for what is sustainable for me. But by this point, their body has changed so much because they have lost and regained, lost and regained, lost and regained that we really have to have that hard conversation about what is, what is sustainable for your body long-term not just for your behaviors, but really let's look at physiology and what, what kinds of evidence we have to support, um, your weight goals. Yeah. And yeah, I don't, maybe I shouldn't get into this. Maybe we should (laughs) maybe do a, like a metabolism episode soon, but just because the whole idea of how yo-yo dieting 
impacts your metabolism is it's really, I think when I explain that to people, it's really eye opening mm-hmm. on how, how much that can just really kind of screw stuff up for you and not permanently, but for mm-hmm. a while, you know, you got to do some dedicated work to kind of get things working a little bit better. So maybe we yeah. should do that, but and yeah, we'll include that in our episode on, cause I, uh, friend of mine asked for a kind of an in-depth discussion on eating for your goals, whether it's a body goal okay. or a fitness goal or whatever. So we'll include that. Perfect. But it does that, that sort of like extreme restriction and then rebounding over and over and over really does um, a number on your body that, that is not in any way favorable to what you're wanting to accomplish, you know? Yeah. So, so where do people start? Where do How do they we get started start? with this? Well, um, you make some I'll, food, you open <laughs> your mouth, right? And now you said, do it and swallow it. Yeah. I mean, I guess I answered all of this at the beginning. I start with the, the five basic food groups. I mean, I, I literally will ask clients, can you name the five basic food groups? And it, I know some people would kind of rake me across the coals and that's archaic and, you know, dogma, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's the most basic way you mm-hmm. can start the nutrition conversation. And my goal is to totally simplify it. Let's break it down into the simplest of terms so people can have a little foothold of something they understand. What often happens is people overthink. Nutrition is complex. I totally acknowledge that. I mean, there's shit that I don't even understand with nutrition. Man, I have like studied the Krebs cycle so many times and I'm still oh, like, nah, I don't quite get it. I know. <laughs> or, or, and it's, you also have to acknowledge that it's always evolving. Right. So there's things that we think are true, you know, one decade, and then mm-hmm. we get more evidence on it or we get clearer evidence or, or something. And so I acknowledge that for sure, but let's start simple. And then we can start getting into some more details. People, right respond to that so much more confidently when you, when you, it's just like teaching a kid something. You just start with some very basic things and then you kind of build on those once they catch hold and they're like, yeah, I can do this, Mm -hmm. start building on it. So five basic food groups. And for some people, I'll keep it as simple as saying, I want you to get at least three food groups in a meal and at least two food groups in a snack. And I want you to include a fruit or vegetable every time. Mm -hmm. So let's say you have three meals and two snacks in a day. You're getting five, a combination altogether of at least five fruits and vegetables, Mm because that's five times you're eating. And if you're choosing from the other food groups to complement all of that, you're very likely to hit your, Mm -hmm. you know, what your body needs. And then of course, we're talking about hunger and satiety too, because that is a really important concept that a lot of people miss when they want to hear, how do I eat? (laughs) Well, I can, I mean, I could like talk about the RDAs and the recommendations for food groups and whatever, but you ultimately, and we'll talk about portion size here in a second, but you ultimately get to be the, the judge on that one. Right. Right. Well, I think there's, you know, just working with especially when you start with a client, like there's almost all the time, there's such relief in the simplicity of that, right? Like, okay, so, you know, I'll often have people like, 
um, before we kind of establish some goals, like, Hey, keep a food journal for three days. Let's just see what you yes. don't change anything, yep. right? Like we need to get a good baseline, continue to eat like you've been eating and let's just see. And it's not uncommon for people to be like, Oh, okay. I had one vegetable in three days. Right. So, okay. Hey, so maybe let's make our goal for right now for maybe the next couple of weeks, get a vegetable, one vegetable every day. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm always like, there's always this part of me that's like, ah, oh, they're going to think like, this is too simple. This is stupid. But like 99% of the time people are like, okay, yeah, I can do I can that. I can do that. Yeah. Like, thank God. I don't have to like sound- take notes about like the 15 <laughs> yeah. bullet points you have for this eating plan. Like, oh yeah. And I, I can eat more vegetables and that will probably help a lot, you know? And then what happens, this is a little bit of a sidetrack. I just had this conversation with someone just the other day. And it happens a bunch. It's like, okay, one vegetable in a day, right? Well, usually they wind up getting a couple. And because they're cooking the vegetables, they're cooking other meals too. More. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's like our goal was one vegetable a day. And they're like, yeah, I'm just I'm cooking all the time. And I'm having more vegetables than than just the one. And because it just impacts other things. But um, there's just often so much relief in the simplicity of that because one, it's not complicated. Two, it's really doable. And there's a confidence. And that I can do this. And I think maybe that should be a, a, a piece of the, the right way to eat for you is like, do you feel confident that you can do yes. this and you can do this on good days. You can do this on stressful days. You can do this for the next 45 days, right? Like, could you feel confident that you can do this consistently kind of yeah, no matter what the day brings? Isn't that the best phrase to come out of a client's mouth? I can do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, hell yeah. Yes, you can. And I'm really glad that you said that because Mm -hmm. I don't need to be the one to tell you, you can do this. This is something I want to come from you. And like you said, that confidence and that empowerment that that person just, that's your words that you just said, (laughs) you know, as a client, like I can do that. That's a very different feeling. Oh, it's huge. Because I think a lot of times people approach these fat diets, like, Oh boy. Okay. Here we go. Like, this is going to be tough, but it's got to be tough, right? Like it's supposed to be hard. So I'm going to make, you know, mm. doing it right because it's hard where when we, when we take that simple approach and we, we make a change or two, and then you can do that consistently. Well, then you have like this sort of social or this proof for yourself of like, Oh, I'm, I'm killing this, right? Like I'm doing this yeah. consistently. Maybe I can do other things consistently versus like, how long can I hold on? Cause I think that's where people most often right. find when themselves. When does it end? Right. Like when within a over? few days, like, okay, this sucks, but I still have like, <laughs> you know, 87 more days of this 90 day challenge. Right. Right. Like, okay, how long can I do this versus like, I can do this thing forever. What other things can I do forever? And there's just, mm-hmm. it just, it builds confidence with this like ability to like, to just take care of yourself. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't have that confidence because of these, this history of, just extreme attempts. Mm -hmm. So along with the five main food groups and acknowledging that the client is the expert, I will start asking questions like within those food groups, you know, which foods are well tolerated, Mm -hmm. you know, what works well for your body historically. Um, There's always some starting point with each of the food groups. I mean, sometimes there's a very specific, you know, I've, they have an allergy or they've never tolerated dairy well or something like that. And and then we can dig into that a little bit more and talk about mm-hmm. the, the symptoms, the kinds, whatever. But most of people will have a pretty substantial list of different foods that are well tolerated. 
Which foods do you like the most? What kinds of flavors do you enjoy? What foods do you enjoy making? You know, um, which foods do you feel nourish your body the best? So people will, people will kind of, they like to categorize foods as good and bad uh-huh. or healthy and unhealthy, but there's, there's so much nuance, you guys, oh in that gosh. you cannot just have black and white when it comes to nutrition, but that's often what trips people up is they have these feelings that foods are either good or bad. And so when I ask a question like that, which ones, which foods help you feel the best, or like you've mm-hmm. done something good for your body, I'll get a wide range of answers. And it tells me a lot about that person's food relationship and which foods they might have some hangups on like, well, I actually feel really energized when I eat this, but I know it's bad for me. Kind of, you know, those kinds of answers, or they might say, oh, I really like this. I really like potatoes, but I know I shouldn't be Mm -hmm. eating them, you know, those kinds of answers. And so that gives me a lot of information when I ask these open-ended questions, which foods have you not yet tried either recently or ever? And man, that is, that's another one that I've run into with people when, when we get into the food conversation and people want me to just tell them exactly how to eat. Right. Well, sure. I could do that in some sense, but then what happens if I recommend that you eat whatever this cabbage slaw and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, gag, you know, <laughs> like, right. or I've never, I've never tried, um, I don't know, artichokes. I've never cooked them before. I don't know how to eat them. What, mm-hmm. you know, and I put that in your, in your recommendation. So I think when people, when we have those conversations, you have to also acknowledge like, what's this person's experience with food? Some people are super adventurous with foods. Other people are like, they have some really strong aversions to textures or the appearance mm-hmm. of a food or a, a really bad experience with a food, you know, kind of like someone who's had a bad tequila night. It's just, I don't know. (laughs) I've never heard of that before. Uh, Now I taste it. Uh, It's too early in the morning for that, Erin. Brought back traumatic memories. Not even nine o'clock. So I would encourage you all to ask yourselves some of those questions when you sit down and kind of look at the five main food groups and just start examining like how do these groups work for me? What kinds of foods, what do I like? What do I, what flavors or textures don't work for me or do work for me? And what Mm -hmm. things could I try that I haven't already? Right. Yeah. And, and those are such great questions because they, they, they get to the heart of what's best for you. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times what people want when they ask, how do I eat is what foods are my friends? What foods are my enemies? Right. Right. And And when you ask the questions that you're talking about, it's like, we're really beginning to build something that is sustainable for this person. Because if there's a plan put in place that's designed around foods that they don't like, or they don't know how to cook, man, that's not going to work. You know, like, it's just not. (laughs) And and you're kind of setting yourself up for just, I mean, having a really rough time right from the start. Because like we said at the beginning, like you've got to like this part of the right way to eat for you is you've got to enjoy it. You know, Mm -hmm. this should not, should not be miserable to you. It may push you, it may challenge you, it may stretch you. Those are all good things, right? Being miserable, there's no good there. There's no good in in misery and suffering and, you know, feeling um, just 
consistently unhappy with something when you're trying to make your life better in some way, those two really don't go together that well. Yeah. yeah. And and then you might end up resenting the professional you're working with. And Michael and I don't want that. Mm-mm. So, <laughs> and you might, have, you might just honestly wind up resenting like attempts at being healthier because yeah, you, there's sure. this assumption that this is the way it's got to be. And if it's got to be that way, I hate that way. Right. Like that way is a real jerk and mm-hmm. only makes me feel terrible. So mm-hmm. why would I do this? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So people often ask me about portions. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is another piece of how do I eat? How much do I eat? How much mm-hmm. should I be eating? Is this too much? I get that question all the time. Is this too much? Was this too much? And I, that's really hard for me to answer because mm-hmm. sure I can, I always give my clients a reference on serving sizes. So serving sizes are a generally accepted measurement of a food as a serving. And we use that as, as kind of a, you know, a simplified guide so that people don't have to like weigh and measure things all the time. We'll say like a serving Mm -hmm. of fruit is about the size of a baseball or something like that. Um, but portion size is what you actually put on your plate or what Mm -hmm. you actually dish up for yourself. So people, Mm-hmm. So people get these confused mm-hmm. and they'll ask me like, how much? And I'm like, well, we can start with, you know, I, I give some guidance on that. And I, I call mine a template because I don't do specific menus and with, with all the details that are specifically measured and, and down to the numbers, mm-hmm. I give a template with some very um, general terms and measurements, but also enough like I call it the guardrails. So enough guardrails that the client doesn't feel like I just cast them out into the open sea and they're without a compass. (laughs) So, so we'll, we'll start with a template, start with some references for serving sizes, and then we'll start putting it together and paying attention to how hungry and how full you are. Now, one of the challenges, just going back to your example about kids, y'all we're born with very strong hunger and satiety cues. Anybody who's had a baby knows this because babies let you know when they're hungry, when they're full. And even little kids, they don't overcomplicate eating. They just eat. I mean, they might have some bizarre ways of, you know, mixing foods together or whatever, eating food, but they just eat and they tend to listen to their tummies. They're excellent regulators. Adults have all kinds of muddled messages, schedules, time constraints, emotions, all these other reasons why years of not listening to their body. Yeah, totally, totally. And so that's another really important piece that we'll all work on with every client is let's pay attention to what your body's telling you, because if you tune into that, it's, it's actually really incredible. What one of my clients that I'm, I've been working with for several months, um, said that she real, I mean, when we get into this, like, okay, so you, then you're thinking about the kinds of foods you're putting together. Okay. Three food groups for a meal and two for a snack and then portion sizes. Okay. Serving of this is this. And so it feels, and then how hungry am I? And it feels like you're overanalyzing the crap out of everything for, mm-hmm. for a while, but I've been working with this client for about four months. And she's like, you know, I'm actually thinking about food less mm-hmm. than I ever have in my life. 
So she's gotten to a point where she's practiced this enough that she started trusting and just believing in those intrinsic cues when it comes to portion size. And she also has eliminated all food rules. So there's no good or bad food. You can or can't have this. She's realized that just a taste of something is enough to satisfy her or she'll, she'll put, you know, like when it comes to like a dessert or something or, or something high calorie that, you know, she doesn't eat every day, Mm -hmm. she'll make sure she really likes it. Like she doesn't just eat fried chicken because it's fried chicken and you need to eat fried chicken every time it's presented. Right. She'll eat it because it tastes really good or she'll leave it if it, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't and go for something else. And so Mm -hmm. these are all components of how to eat for you. Because we can, I mean, Michael and I can sit here and rattle off recommendations on serving sizes and, you know, different foods and composition. But until you really built that awareness within yourself, Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't tell you how much to eat or how those foods fit in Mm -hmm. that comes from you. Yeah. And, and there's an important distinction, you know, we can say things like have, you know, at least you know, three components at a meal and two a snack and, or maybe, Hey, let's eat this many times a day just to practice some mm-hmm. consistency and regularity. These things are different than like food rules. Right. And I think this is right. important because I think it may, it, it may be easy for people to get kind of those two convoluted, but these are very different because food rules are black and white. There's no room for gray. There's no room for deviation and, and they're just fixed. They're static right? Where what, what Aaron's talking about and what I'm talking about too is like she said, the guardrails, I like to say like bumper bowling, right? Like you kind of have these, this range here and let's stay within that. And if it doesn't happen consistently every time, that's fine. That's a hundred percent. Okay. There can be some deviation, right? But this is just like, um, this isn't like, okay, do this and this and this and this, this is like, Hey, let's head this direction. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, dynamic to that of what that can look like. And so it's, it's recommendations, it's suggestions, it's starting points. It's not these hard and fast rules. So I think it's really important that it it may be kind of a fine line at first between what's recommendation and what's like a hard and fast rule, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's important to know that there is a big difference between those two because one allows one insists uh, guilt and (laughs) yeah, You've done it wrong. <laughs> Penance almost if you deviate. The mm-hmm. other one doesn't at all. In fact, it it looks at those opportunities. It's it's an encouragement to take those opportunities to go like, hey, what can we learn from here? Like, okay, so we were we were gonna try for this and it didn't happen, and that's fine. There's no guilt or shame here. There's no right or wrong. It's just a thing that happened. And so what can we take from this situation? What went well about it? What maybe do we want to strategize for in the future? What were the roadblocks? What got in your way? That kind of thing. And so there's a very big difference between those two. And I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to piggyback on that, some people, you know, tell me that they do way better with structure Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, well, let's put more structure in there. Mm -hmm. And, and I've learned through the years that there, again, there is no one way for everybody And some people really feel more confident if they have a little more exactness with their eating. So they might choose to measure certain things they might, and I can work with that. And hopefully we'll be working in a direction where you can um, loosen up some of those 
practices because I think those can really um, be detrimental to food relationship and, and trust with, with your own body. But we could put that component in there, but then maybe be a little more flexible with the kinds of foods that are included or yeah. with, you know, the practices, the schedule, you know, that kind of thing. So there's, there's a lot of different ways that can be approached with, and just back to portion size, some people will just, you know, eyeball it. I, I teach people the hand jive, the nutrition hand jive. And if you're not watching on YouTube, um, try and picture this in your mind, but if you like cup both hands together, that's a serving of vegetables. If you just cup one hand, that's a serving of grains. If you make a fist, that's a serving of fruit. And then if you have um, an open palm, that's a serving of protein. And if you have a thumb, that's a serving of fat. It's totally oversimplified, but mm -hmm. it, it's enough for people. I used to teach this with the football players because mm -hmm. your hand is also proportional usually to the size of your body. And so these football players, I would be like, okay, you need to make sure you're getting, you know, at least this size of whatever. And your hand is always with you and you can always it's use it portable. for reference. Yep. Yeah. So that was always just a, again, a very simple message that I could give someone that was enough guidance that they could use it. Um, and then I had them writing on their food logs. They would write, it was the size of, of my hand with all the fingers or it was, you know, <laughs> <laughs> So it was like a, an easy way for them to measure. Mm -hmm. um, but then of course you also have the hunger and satiety cues, which build awareness around that. And then also athletes or anybody who's on a fitness routine, your activity level can dictate your portion sizes too. Mm -hmm. And this is something I run into when I'm counseling athletes is it's not always about just listening to your intrinsic hunger and satiety cues, because with athletes, sometimes you have to be um, you know, proactive about, mm -hmm. well, what's coming up in my day or tomorrow, you know, tomorrow I've got a four hour workout. So today I probably need to eat, you know, a little bit like further along the satiety spectrum, or I need to have a bigger portion of whatever carbs, you know, so portion size can be, um, adjusted based on those goals as well. Right. Yeah. Well, cause that's the thing about metabolism. It's, it's, dynamic, right? We think like metabolism is just like fixed and it's, mm -hmm. this, you know, this number is changing all the time, constantly. And so if you have a, a hard workout in a day, you may be hungrier in the evening than normal. That's not a bad thing. That's an okay thing. The body's like, Hey, we did more work. We used more fuel. We need to fill up more, you know, right. that's a very normal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, before we move on from portions, one, one thing that I last thing or my last thing. Um, so with portions, like Aaron's saying, it's really individual. It's personal, right? It's going to be different for everyone. It may be different from day to day, right? Depending on demands and that kind of stuff. If you had just kind of a day where you haven't been moving much, you may not be near as hungry, but I think a good way that you can kind of tune into like, what is enough for me that I've had people do is build your plate, your meal, right? Like on a small plate, like a salad plate, right? Mm -hmm. Eat that and then sit and just wait about 10 minutes. Sure. And see what happens. Do you feel full? Do you feel satisfied? Or are you still like, yeah, I'm still kind of hungry. Okay. Then maybe you need a little bit more than that. Right. But they can sitting with that and giving your body a chance to communicate with you gives you a chance to kind of start to connect with those cues 
right? And gives you a chance to listen to your body. And not that I, you know, everyone needs to eat smaller portions, but if we blow past it with too much, well, we don't get the chance to listen, right? So if we kind of start with some and we go, hmm, okay, let me just kind of tune in here. Yeah, I'm still hungry. Cool. Go eat some more. Yeah. You know, I'm really glad you brought that up because you can always, I tell people that all the time, you can always go back for more. Mm-hmm. Like the, again, there's no rules. You can right. always decide that mm-hmm. you want more, or you can always decide to leave something on your plate. Mm-hmm. That's another tricky one. The whole clean your plate. I was brought up in the clean your plate generation too. Yeah. I think most of us a, were, it's a, a beast. mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Beep. Mm-hmm. It can be really hard to overcome that. And so yeah. I, I might even, I've worked with a few clients where I coach them to intentionally leave, like dish up more than you think you might eat mm-hmm. and intentionally leave it on your plate and to check in periodically throughout the meal. And it can be really empowering to kind of overcome that, that conditioning that you have mm-hmm. to clean your plate. And all of a sudden it becomes this, oh, wow, I can, that feels really good to be able to stop when I want to yeah. stop. <laughs> Did you ever get the, like there's starving kids in Africa who would love to eat this food? Did you ever get oh, that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the thing I love about that is like, like, are we going to ship the food? I, I know. Don't are they going to get my leftover meatloaf? Yeah. Like my half eaten chicken nugget. Is that kind of, what are we doing here? Like, yeah. <laughs> like if we throw it in, it's either going to get thrown in the trash or wasted on me. Yeah. So what's, where's the I logic know. here? It's like, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I can still be grateful for the food I have mm-hmm. and, you know, honor the fact that not everybody has mm-hmm. access to the food I do. And you right. can practice that being grateful and still honor your hunger and satiety. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing about being a kid is like someone else has put that stuff on your plate. They've decided the amount that you're going to eat at this meal. It's just an yeah. arbitrary amount, you know? Uh, yeah, there's just... actually, there's some really good research actually on allowing kids to serve themselves mm-hmm. because kids tend to overserve themselves when they're given the chance. Like they, mm-hmm. I mean, and of course there's all kinds of developmental skills, you know, they're, they're learning how to scoop things with mm-hmm. a spoon or to stab things with a fork and how to place it on their plate and how to, you know, the accuracy with all that, how different textures may run or, or tumble or whatever they'll serve themselves more than they can eat, but they will, the next time they'll learn from that. They're yeah. very quick at learning. Very like, quick. Oh, that was too much. I'm going to start with less. And some gentle cues from the parent can also help with that. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it looked like your, your tummy was full before you decided before you could finish your plate or whatever. And so just making that observation, mm-hmm. it's not good or bad. The kids learn that. Is. And so I, I remind, um, especially anybody who has kids and has observed this, I'll remind them or pets, even mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just remind them like, well, what happens when you, you know, when you see your kids serve a little too much or whatever, you know? And so we'll talk about that and have that conversation too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, just real quick, because I know we'll have people that want to hear like, well, how do I eat if I'm trying to lose weight? How do I eat if I'm trying to gain muscle? How do I eat if I'm trying to lean out? Mm -hmm. I, I like your suggestion. Like, let's get into this a little bit deeper on another episode. So we will do that. But just generally speaking, I have a few strategies that I will recommend, um, 
for people, whether it comes to weight loss or weight gain. Um, and you jump in because I know you have lots of experience and wisdom in this area too. But um, one really big one is increase fiber and filling foods. If you are working toward weight loss, um, you know, leafy greens, watery vegetables, whole grains, Protein. extra fiber in foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Protein is super important because your, your body is in a state of breaking down when you're losing weight. Right. I don't care how many, like how many hours you're spending in the gym or how much activity you're doing, your body is breaking down mm -hmm. when it's losing weight. And the protein really just helps slow the muscle breakdown and preserve the lean body tissues, mm -hmm. including bone and skin and hair and all this other stuff too. So protein becomes even more important yeah. when somebody is attempting yeah. weight loss. It also just helps you feel really full. You know, there's yeah. a, there's a, there's a good fullness factor to protein. Um, I had one other point. What was it? Oh, and not that it makes a huge difference, but, um, Protein is also, it's harder for the body to break down. So it takes a little bit more energy, right? It takes a little bit more, um, elevate your metabolism a little, little bit higher to, to break that down because it's just so dense and stuff. So that's a little bit of a help there. Yeah. Too. I always think of it like a ball of yarn, you know, how a protein is like mm -hmm. all kind of bound up with all these different amino acids and mm -hmm. protein chains. And so when I you like break that. it down, it's just kind of like pulling, pulling out this ball of yarn kind of, and it's all mm -hmm. twisted and tangled in there. So mm -hmm. yeah, it takes some time. And, and then of course, for weight loss, all the things we talked about with making sure that satisfaction is there, listening to hunger and satiety cues and really getting back in touch with those healing any like broken relationship you have with food goes a long way mm -hmm. to helping with, with long-term weight management and weight loss. Um, and then, you know, I always tell people when we've talked about intuitive eating on here and, and I'm a huge proponent and people often will say, well, if I'm eating intuitively, I'm just going to want to eat cake all the time, or I'm just going to want to eat crap all the time. Well, you, you can't like just throw out everything we know about nutrition just because you're eating intuitively. And that goes back to that piece. What foods help me feel like I'm nourishing my body? Like what foods feel the best in my body? Right. Because almost everyone I've worked with has some gauge on that. Well, I feel really good when I eat this way. Yeah. And usually that includes a nice balance of, of rich foods that don't have as much nutrition and very nutritious foods that maybe aren't like the decadent yumminess that you're, you know, that, that always sounds good. So I think right. there, there can be a nice balance there. Right. And, and we talked about this in our intuitive eating episode, which was a really good one. I think you should check out if you haven't, but, um, just to jump hundred percent into intuitive eating from nowhere, it's probably not a good idea because you don't have the skills and tools and awareness to do that yet. So if your concern is if I just eat intuitively, I'm just going to eat cake and fast food. Well, you're not eating intuitively. You're eating based off of cravings. Like intuition yeah. requires you to understand your body and your fullness cues and your, your hunger cues and eat mindfully. It requires a bunch of things to be able to do. So yeah, <laughs> intuitive eating yeah. is wonderful, but it's not to be confused with just like at the whim of your cravings. Those are two very yeah. different things. Totally.
Yeah. And then just real quick um, on the other yeah. side, if you are looking for muscle gain or weight gain, calories. And mm-hmm. how can we get more calories in? And I mean, sure, that could come in the form of milkshakes and, you know, burgers with fries and stuff. But what I'm really saying is how can you fit more nutrition in your day, more and calorically dense dense options, options. So things like, um, you know, how can I add another scoop of peanut butter? You know, Mm -hmm. I talk about little additions. Mm -hmm. Could I have just like, you know, a handful of trail mix alongside my normal lunch? you know, that would, I mean, that can add 200 calories easy. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe put a caloric beverage with your meals. So you're having, you know, milk with your meals or even a smoothie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and protein after workouts become, I mean, that becomes important, whether, you know, you're going for weight loss or weight gain, if you're an athlete and you're doing like two a days, or if you're doing really hard workouts, I'm a huge proponent of getting some kind of quick mm-hmm. nutrition in after to support the workout. But especially if you're going for muscle gain and like just mass gain in general, having that's a really great opportunity for your body to maximize. It's like a super sponge. It's ready mm-hmm. to use that nutrition right after a workout. And so mm-hmm. um, that's often a recommendation I'll give too. Do you have any others? Frequent eating. That's another one. Like don't go, you know, too long between meals. Yeah. And just, just to understand that, listen, if you, if you, I mean, this is incredibly simplified, but if you want to lose weight, you need to eat fewer calories than your body needs. Right. If you want to gain weight, you need to eat more, right? Like you got to have the material to do, to build if you want to build. And so with that in mind, it's going to require you to, to a degree, eat past fullness cues right? Because your body's saying like, Hey, we're done. But if you want to build your body's responding to where you are now in that moment. And so if it's saying, Hey, you're done, but you want to build, well, you're going to have to eat past that a little bit. And that can be a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. And remember that's on a spectrum too. So, mm -hmm. well, I use like a one to 10 spectrum. Mm -hmm. So whereas most people, you know, you kind of want to start for, um, finish your, your meal around a five, six range, which is kind of like, I'm satisfied, but pretty neutral. I'm starting to feel just a nice, pleasant fullness. Mm-hmm. You might be eating more toward a seven most mm-hmm. of the time, which is just a little past that, that comfortable satisfaction where you're like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm yeah. done. Like yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, and then I will also point out that you might also be eating in the absence of true hunger, like what you would describe as really getting hungry. Um, if you're going for, for weight gain, um, that might be, you know, with, again, with the football players, that was a huge push was how can we get more calories in? Well, it might mean that you're sitting down with some food every two hours or kind of grazing and, and kind of nibbling in between meals, just so you're, you're able to eat so you're eating, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it was hard for me because there were parts of me that was like, we're going to have to undo this when they're not playing anymore, because you have yeah. to like retrain them. Like this is how healthy eating is. And I would always make sure that messaging was in there that, you know, um, yes, you're being trained to eat in the absence of hunger right now. That isn't always how it's going to be, but this right. is your goal. And so this is how we're manipulating your, your diet to, to yeah. meet that goal which just speaks to the whole, like, it's got to be flexible. It's got to, you know, be dependent on the situation and circumstances and where you want to head. And it's not going to be the same all the time by any means. It's got to bend and flex. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Well, that's how you eat. All right. That's how you eat, everybody. So just All go right. do that. Yeah. Go forth. <laughs> go forth and eat. Um, and yeah, I think in the future, we'll talk a little more in depth with eating for certain goals because I get a lot of questions about endurance athletes. What should we be doing? Strength athletes. What should we be doing? Weight loss, weight gain, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we'll hit that later. Yeah. Cool. You got you a your meaning in the Monday. I do. Oh. I have, I beat you. I know. I actually have, this is kind of a funny I one. I think I so. beat you, but I heard you talking, so I stopped to be polite. I think you finished your <laughs> sentence first, but I think I started first. I'm going to go back. We're going to check the record. <laughs> we must We must be awake by now because Michael's getting competitive, everybody. <laughs> I'm so competitive. <laughs> so the other night, I woke up at like 3.30 and... I could not get back to sleep. And I, you know, you're kind of like rolling over a lot and trying mm -hmm. not to disturb Matt. And, and then I notice he's kind of rolling over a lot too. And then I kind of feel him sit up in bed and I, I look over and I was like, you're awake too. And he's like, yeah, I can't sleep, which really sucks. I mean, three 30 is almost like the worst time because what you're going to get up in, you know, a couple mm -hmm. hours to three hours. And so going back to sleep, you kind of have this feeling, I'm not going to get back, you know, I'm not going to get restful sleep. And then you're sort of, it's too early to really get up and get going. I don't mm. know. I guess I could. So we're kind of yeah, like, you know, just chatting and whatever. And he gets up out of bed and he goes around the end of the bed and looks out the window, which is the front of our house. And he goes, there's a skunk in our yard. <laughs> and I was like, what? You can see it? And he's like, yeah, it's just right there. And so I get out of bed and I go over to the window and there is this fat little roly poly skunk just waddling across <laughs> our yard and it literally is coming like straight toward the window and I feel like we're suddenly at the zoo where you're, where you're like am I safe I'm, I'm I mean I'm, I'm behind a window but am I safe I mean this is something you you wouldn't like walk up and start examining in the wild right, right like yeah. <laughs> bye <laughs> and so I'm kind of like hunkering down because the, the window's open so it's just a screen and I'm like what if that mf or comes and sprays us and he's like no Let's he won't, seek he won't. The windows. yeah and he he's like no he's just he's just and he's here he comes just kind of like walking through the yard and sauntering by and he just kind of walks right past the window so we got a nice close-up of him nice. but i i had to laugh because i was like of all occurrences at 3 30 a.m <laughs> we wake up and see the skunk which was kind of a cool you know i mean you get to see like I don't love skunks, but it's wildlife, you know. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. It's something you don't necessarily get to see up close. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was my, you know, my thing. Like it, it sucks to be to have some insomnia and wake up, but hey, we got to see some nice. wildlife in our front yard. That's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, mine actually, I posted about this just a couple of days ago. It'll be a few weeks past when this airs, but um. I, I've just been trying to go for um, more walks during my day um, just because it's really easy for me to just like get up, you know, kind of get ready, help get the girls ready, get breakfast and just come right into my office. And then it's 5.30 or 6 and I haven't set foot outside, right? And this mm -hmm. is a beautiful time of year. Um, this is like the best time of year here and humidity is coming soon. It's going to be nasty outside before we know it. So I'm like, I, I just got to make a conscious effort to get out. Plus mm -hmm. it's just really good for, you know, me managing my diabetes and stuff. But so I've been trying to lately just, you know, three or four times a week, sometimes a couple of times a day, just go for short little walks. We kind of have this loop in our neighborhood. Um, and so just a few days ago, I went on one, it was like 
8.45 in the morning. It was like 52 degrees, blue skies, beautiful, like my mm. little breeze, just gorgeous. And I just went walking and I just was doing like some, um, just some gratitude work, you know, like thinking about like, okay, let me just really take some time while I'm walking to be really mindful of just things I'm grateful for. And so I was just thinking about all these things I'm grateful for. And um, part of that is just this really cool neighborhood we live in, you know, just a bunch of kids for our kids to play with and really good people that we met to become friends and just, yeah, just was running through this list of like, I'm really grateful for this. And I'm really thankful for this. I'm so glad this person's in my life and I'm so glad we're friends. And, you know, and it was just this really, um, really strong, like kind of recentering moment for me, not moment, just experience. You know, I walked right, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes. And I just, I kind of went into that situation like, oh, I need to get out to walk with just stressors and worries about the future and just everything yeah. that's going on. Right. And I got home and I was just like, oh, it's like, so yeah. like lifted, you know, I mean, one, I got outside and got some sun. It was gorgeous out, which always feels good. I got some physical activity, but I also just put a lot of intentional effort into let me think about what is good in my life mm. and just focus on that. And it just shifted for my whole day. I just had a better outlook. I was more productive. Aww. I was more patient. Yep. And yeah, it was just, it was just this really, that's great. Really great I had a well similar moment. experience on my run yesterday. So yeah, I, I love those kinds of things where you, you physically can feel the shift mm -hmm. in the energy. That's mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. All right. Thank everyone. you everybody. Yep. And uh, please share this podcast with a friend and rate us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And mm -hmm. if you would like to support mm -hmm. the middle-ish podcast, because we want to grow it, you can head to the show notes and um, become a supporter in anchor. Yep. And our, um, the, the option we have is a, it's a four nine nine a month. Um, so it's, it's not a whole lot, Buy you know, a cup of coffee. Yep. To just kind of help us keep this going and, um, help feed, uh, just kind of growing this and spreading the message of middle -ish and um, that kind of stuff. So we would appreciate it. Thanks everyone. Bye.